Is Tevin Coleman going to be a bust in 2019? How many wideouts should you draft ahead of Odell Beckham? And how do you handle C.J. Uzuma in leagues next season? Plus, the 2018 FFPC Super Bracket Champion Justin Brandwine sits in for Dave Gerzak with me tonight as we take a peek toward next season and where the value lies with the Tampa Bay receivers. We've got a great show for you. Justin Brandwine is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Once upon a time, not long ago, when people were dominant and lived life slow, when laws were stern and justice stood, and people were behaving like they ought to good, there lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy, and this is what he wrote. Me and you tonight, we're going to make some cash, robbing old folks and making the dash. They did the job, money came with ease, but one couldn't stop, it's like he had a disease. He robbed another and another and a sister and a brother. Tried to rob a man who was a DC undercover. The cop grabbed his arm, he started acting erratic. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Shot for the head, he shot back with he meant to. Looked around good and from expectations, he decided he'd hit for the subway station. But she was coming and he made a left. He was running top speed till he was out of breath. Knocked an old Thanks man so much, down. Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, but sitting in for the Dizzle tonight, who has the night off, is the $10,000 winner of the 2018 FFPC Super Bracket Competition in his first year in the FFPC after he dominated other online leagues for more than a decade. It is Justin Brandwine. Justin, thanks so much for doing the show with me tonight, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You know, this is just about as exciting as winning the money. Oh, well, listen, trust me. Once you do the show, you're going to be like, well, you know what? I think winning the money was a little bit more exciting. <laughs> well, we'll you, see about you, that. We will. We will. I mean, time will tell. We'll, we'll, we'll find out how it goes. But uh, I'm excited to have you on as, uh, once again, uh, very, very pleased with the upgrade we have in uh, co-host tonight from Dave Gerzak to Justin Brandwine. Coming up on tonight's show, who's going to be the lead back in Houston next year? Can Jordy Nelson be more like the player he was at the end of the season uh, this year in 2019 and much, much more? Now, I am going to give a shout-out to the chat room. However, I am not able to load it on my end. Uh, our audio engineer, Bryce, and our producer, mutual friend, Rob, uh, are also having the same issue. So I'm not sure if anybody is in there right now, but I will give a shout-out to you. And in case I can get it working on that end, or on my end, I will take questions in the chat room. Uh, you can uh, also connect with us on Twitter, at HSFFOR, at Eric Balkman. Dave is at David Gerzak. Facebook.com slash HSFFOR is where to reach us there. 347-426-3682-347, game over if you want to give us a call tonight. Football at gmail.com is, of course, the inbox. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. We'll try to get to the chat room questions if it is live for me and Robin and Bryce. The tweets and emails and fantasy feedback 
coming up later on in the show. I want to remind everybody, if you have not noticed, the world-famous playoff challenge with the FFPC is indeed live. It is more than 20% full. This year, a $200,000 grand prize and a $750,000 prize pool. Uh, that is up $150,000 from last year. Still only a $200 entry. 4,250 teams will be competing in this. If it does indeed sell out, I'm still skeptical. Dave and Alex think it will. Ten-player lineup, one player per team. And you only have, let's see, what is it? Today is the 28th. A week from tomorrow is when the deadline will be. So you have eight days to get in. Take advantage of that while you can. A new high-stakes lowdown with 2018 FFPC Off the Grid champions, Rob Gallucci and Ryan Gawkin is live. It is not on rotaviz.com slash podcast yet. At least it was not about an hour ago. It is, however, on the Spreaker channel. So if you want to listen to me uh, talk to Rob and Ryan about their big off-the-grid a win this year, you can do so. Go on Spreaker.com, search for High Stakes Lowdown, and it is the first episode on there. So that is what is going on there. Let's talk about what is going on here. Justin, uh, once again, thanks for joining me. We're going to get into fantasy. We're going to get into the super bracket. I, I want to hear uh, what it was like winning uh, that cash and, and, and you know seeing you march through that bracket the last month of the season. But uh, tell the listeners, when you're not enjoying fantasy football and you're not winning $10,000 in the super bracket with the FFPC, what are you doing for a living? Sure. I'm a supervisor at a nutraceutical company. We ship orders domestically and internationally. It's great. I've been there six years and work with some really nice people. And uh, it gives you a, a lot of time to do your draft prep and your lineup management and everything like that for your fantasy football teams, I'm, I'm assuming. Well, the staff is very supportive of my needs, so take from that what you will. <laughs> That is fantastic. That is the type of job I think we all want to have. That is uh, great. Uh, congrats on that Super Bracket title, my friend. Can you let us know? Uh, I, w- I want to go back to September when you actually drafted this team live at Planet Hollywood. Tell me uh, what you thought of, of, of the team right after the draft. And then, uh, again, as you, as you started, you know, you make the bracket, you start winning a couple of games. Um, what did you think about this team? What was it like watching it? Uh, your, your team, you put up some big numbers in, in late November and December, so it's, certainly there's some stories there. But your thoughts initially that I, I want to get is, is what you thought about this team when you looked at it right after you drafted it. Oh, this is fantastic. All right, well, first, let me just give a shout-out to you guys at the FFPC. I mean, it's just an amazing league, and if, if people are out there listening who only draft online, I strongly encourage you to come to Las Vegas, participate in the live Vegas draft. It's unbelievable. In my own experience a few years ago, I first saw you guys. You were across the street at Caesars Palace, and my co-manager at the time, he has a lot of friends who do the main events. Uh, we walked over there, and I just could not believe the sea of draft boards down the hallway and all these older gentlemen, you know, older than I am, who are into this. I just couldn't wait to participate. It took a few years, but here we are. Yeah, well, you're, listen, you're very welcome, obviously. We appreciate the kind words. We, we, we love that, uh, that you had a good experience. I always have a good experience going out there and, and hanging out and seeing these people. You know, the, the majority of the people out there, I only see them once a year, so it's always cool to catch up. And, and I th- I'm, I'm kind of the same way with you. The first time I went out to it, you know, whatever it was, it, nine, ten years ago, it was a little overwhelming, and it's slowly gotten bigger and bigger, and, it's, and it, it, is a, it is a great experience to do. And, I'm, I'm, and, and not only, Justin, not only did you enjoy yourself this year, you drafted a hell of a team, too. 
Yeah, not yeah. That's business as usual. You know, I've been uh, playing Madden ever since I was a young boy, and I would go into franchise mode and draft teams. That's all I would do. I would play the first game of the regular season and quit about midway through. I just really got off on the draft process. So I've really been drafting teams my whole life. I do nothing but live in mock draft rooms for months before the season begins, trying from different spots in a 12-team format. I mean, I just love drafting. When you um after and I don't know what at what point uh, it became real for you or when you kind of realized because I, I know like when I draft teams in, in in where I'm competing against all these other teams I'm kind of like okay I'm gonna draft a team uh, as strong uh, as strong of a team as I can but I know that there's there's a lot of heavy competition and I certainly never like expect to to come out in first especially in a field like this I don't know what your attitude is for this certainly you knew you're going to be competitive and I, I I'm certainly uh, I'm certain that you believed that you were going to be in the thick of it throughout the the rest of the season at what point did it become real to you that you were kind of like you know what this team's got a shot to 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 beat all comers here the last month of the season or um maybe you realized that halfway through the year or maybe it was right away when you thought hey this team is a strong one and I got a legit shot to win this 10k you know what? It was week five. Uh, getting back to your question about the path of the draft and my thoughts on the season, you know, I was very upset once the season began. Aaron Rodgers was carted off the field week one, so theoretically there goes your season. Fortunately, he came back in the second half, and we were still in the ball game. I was also kind of down because I wanted Patrick Mahomes, and my co-manager wanted to go a different route for a couple rounds in a row. And wouldn't you know it, when he finally came around to letting us select Mahomes, the guy right before us took him. So uh-huh. not only was Rodgers a bit banged up, you know, especially during the first part of the season, Mahomes is showing that he's the best player in football. And here I am upset with myself because I wasn't assertive enough. And I was just not a happy camper. Add that right. to the uh, right. So add to the fact that week two, Greg Zerline decides to give you a zero. He's inactive. Chris Carson week four without warning. He's inactive, giving you a zero. It was a tough start. We had two players give us a zero without any warning in the first four weeks. We were one and three, and it was not looking good. What was the difference in, in week five? I mean, did you just did, did you have a massive week five score? When when we, at that point, why did you think like okay, now this team's about to get hot? What happened at that? Well, point? we had well at that point the zeros were behind us, and we put up an overwhelming two hundred points, and just with a full nice. lineup, we just know that our team is solid. I mean, even when we had the zero the previous week with Carson, we still scored a buck sixty two. And it was one of those things too. It's like you know, now all of a sudden you believe in your in 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 this team that uh, okay, we had some bad luck initially. We got off to a rocky start. Now is where we're going to get hot. Now we're going to you know have the positive regression in the mean. And your guys really picked it up. How was the waiver wire uh, this season? How integral was that in this team? Did you pick up anybody? Not necessarily that 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 really dominated for you the entire season after you got them on your team but players that got you through rough stretches, players that got hot for a few weeks that really carried you. Was there anybody that you picked up off the waiver wire in this league that, that was really um, integral to, to your success? Uh, well, I guess there'd be a couple of moves there. That's really my co-manager's forte. I like to give him the, uh, the waiver wire responsibilities. I kind of decide on who's going to play and have more control during the draft, but you got to be a team and have – 
people have their own little responsibilities. You know, he picked up Jameis Winston before he was officially announced as the starter, you know, the first time around. So in week seven, when Aaron Rodgers had his bye, we played his waiver wire pickup, Winston, as opposed to Mitchell Trubisky, who we already had on the roster. Now, Winston did nine points less than Trubisky, but the reason that's beneficial is because you don't know how anybody in any of these other leagues are doing. So when we finished with the number one seed and the number five seed overall in the tournament, without seeing how many points or what the record is of other teams in your own category, it affects the seeding. So everything just worked out perfectly for our path to the title. It was all about our first-round matchup. So we only would have beaten maybe six or seven teams. We had a very low point total week 12. Week 12 was tough because the Chiefs and Rams had a bye. I mean, looking at your main event, the number one team overall in the main event couldn't make it out of his league play because he has a bunch of Rams and Chief players, and he's immediately done. Right. Yep. No, it's totally true. And, and one of those, and, and uh, that was um, Kirk Kikis, uh, who, who's been on the show before too, and I talked to him about it. And, uh, you know, he was loaded with, 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 I mean, he had like Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes. He might have had Gurley on that team as well. It was, it was crazy. He might have had Kareem Hunt. I can't remember. But he had a bunch of really, really talented uh, Chiefs and Rams players that, I mean, he made it to the championship round, but he did not get, uh, I don't believe he, he got his league title uh, because of that. So clearly that is, uh, that's a massive issue. Now, Justin, you're going to, and by the way, Justin Brandwine is, is, our, uh, is our guest tonight, the 2018 FFPC Super Bracket Champion here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with Eric Balkman. Help me out on the pronunciation on, the, on this next guy. I'm talking about the Cincinnati tight end, CJ, and how do you pronounce his last name properly? That's going to be Uzama, CJ Uzama. CJ Uzama. Okay, perfect. I'm glad I got this right now. He was, um, he was a, he had some pretty good weeks this year. Uh, obviously, very inconsistent, but you didn't have to count on him uh, a ton because he was your number three tight end, I believe, behind Eric Ebron and Travis Kelsey, who you had on this team. But he's Uzama is an interesting guy for 2019 because we're not really sure what's going on with AJ Green as far as his contract goes and everything like that. Um, is Uzama going to be a top 10 tight end for you in drafts next year? Or is that, are we putting the cart before the horse a little bit with that? How do you view Uzama going forward? I view him as a jag. The jag is just a guy. There's nothing special about Uzama. I mean, right now I could just say Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, OJ, Howard, Ebron. That's the top five. I mean, you'll have Delaney Walker coming back. Najoku is pretty solid. Hunter Hurst Henry, he's going to be coming back. I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't even need to be. I listened to a couple of your podcasts to get prepared for today, and I heard you speaking about this man in other leagues. To me, I kind of feel like you just have CJ Uzam in some of your leagues, and you just kind of pick other people's brains about if you should keep him or not or your thought process right. for dressing <laughs> next year. I think you just love this guy so much. He's, he's one of those guys where it was just like, and, and you're right. I mean, like a part of the reason I like doing the show is because I can, I can, uh, uh, you know, ask real money winners, people way smarter than me, uh, how they feel about guys. Because Uzama for me was a guy that was always on the fringe. Like, well, I had to keep him on uh, the, through the meat of the season in a couple of teams where I had Evan Engram because there just wasn't anybody else. But after Engram got back, it was kind of like, okay, do I cut this guy? Do I keep him around? What do I do? And, and, and I kind of never, never knew what to do with that. And then I take that back. In another league, I had um, just him and Greg Olson. And then obviously when Olson went down, I had to play out the string with Uzama. Obviously, those teams didn't end up 
uh, very well at all. But um, one tight end. You know, it's amazing. Mentioned. I'm sorry. It's amazing. But Go season ahead. after season, the, the tight end position is extremely thin. Yeah. No, I, and th- this year more more than any year I can remember, it was just, you know, it was, it was Kelsey, it was Ertz, and it was Kittle. And then after that, it was kind of like uh, inconsistency. O.J. Howard was exactly. fine until he got hurt. You know what I mean? It's Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron actually actually had one of the best seasons for tight end, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but it was true. When you rattled off all those tight ends, Justin, a guy you didn't mention for 2019 is Rob Gronkowski. How do you feel about him, and where does he slot in for you? I feel like he retired before this season began, and next right. season will just be a formality of that. He, um, it's like mixed martial arts. As soon as the word retirement comes out of your mouth, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, we, and we have talked about – the thing is with Gronk, it's like we've, we've mentioned this before, and he obviously – you know, there, there were rumors that he said he would retire if, if um, the Patriots did indeed trade him uh, to anybody, to any other team, uh, you know, other than the Patriots. And um, it, he showed us flashes this year, and I feel like those flashes are going to be enough for somebody else in my leagues next year to take him before, like he's not going to slide to a spot where I'm comfortable taking him. And and even if he does come back, then I'm fine with that because there's other tight ends I I can roll with, but I'm certainly not going to be in the business of overdrafting Rob Gronkowski in 2019 if he's still playing in the NFL. No, his uh, late second round selection status is officially retired, just like his playing status next year. Right, yep. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you, you drafted him uh, in this league early, and he, he like you said, he, he got carted off early. He never really was Aaron Rodgers uh, until, when you really needed him most, championship week, he puts up, I think it was like a 47.8 or something like that in the title game for you. Uh, is he a guy that when you, when you look at drafting quarterbacks, and I don't know how you normally like to, to, to draft quarterbacks, if you like waiting on them, uh, if, if you're willing to strike while the iron's hot, if a guy is sliding, uh, you know, an elite guy like Rodgers or, or what have you, I, I'm sure he won't be the first tight end, or excuse me, the first quarterback on your board next year, but is he a guy that you'd be willing to take the plunge early on in, in drafts next year as your starting quarterback? Absolutely. The guy is a tremendous, thrower of the football and he can't be stopped I mean that game against the Bears and what was it week 15 people were saying is he a starter is he not a starter for this week he didn't throw a touchdown that was the first time all season but he still had decent numbers even against a defense like the Chicago Bears Aaron Rodgers is going to get it done and when he had every reason to throw it throw in the towel he showed the heart of a warrior he's out there last week against the Jets, and look at how he played. Absolutely, I would take him. You know, to me, when you're drafting for fantasy football, you can pretty much take 23 teams and cross them off immediately. You have no business drafting players on these teams. You should really narrow it down to New England, Pittsburgh, the L.A. Rams, the teams that you know are going to put up points and have great – exactly. Yes, teams that have quarterbacks, and they're going to put up a lot of points. You have no business taking players in all these other teams. When people want to talk about a Kenny Galladay and just throwing out any names like that, to me, when I come into a draft, it's already an absolute certainty. Like, I'm not even taking this guy. It's already known who I'm taking. It's done. Like, coming into this year, it was all Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones or Rex Burkhead and Sonny Michelle and just narrowing, you know, just securing those teams' backfields. It's not like any one of those players individually are so great. 
but those teams are amazing, and I'll end up being pretty solid. You know, and the other thing, too, to keep in mind with, with Aaron Rodgers, he'll have a new head coach next year. Maybe it's Joe Philbin. I still don't think that's going to happen, but you got to believe that whoever the new head coach is, is going to be, he's going to have a good plan of attack for some fresh play calling, for some modern, uh, running a modern offense that Rodgers desires to, to run. He's going to have Devontae Adams coming back, one of the best receivers in the NFL. And then you look at these two other uh, rookie receivers that shown flashes this year in Equinemia St. Brown and Marcus Veldes-Scantling. A lot of times they make a big jump from your, their rookie year to their second year. He, he could have some weapons next year, and obviously Aaron Jones showed what he could do on the ground too. So Packers offense is certainly an offense that I think will rebound next year. Chris Carson, you had mentioned him earlier. Uh, he was also uh, an important member of your team here, Justin. Uh, down the stretch, he was massive uh, for, for fantasy owners. This is a Seattle team that used a first-round pick on Rashad Penny this year, and Penny really never got going. I think he had one really, really good game, but it was pretty much the Chris Carson show while he was healthy. As we fast-forward to 2019, how do you see this backfield shaping up? Is it the Carson show again with Penny just mixing in here and there? Is it a case where they split the carries, or does Penny take over the backfield? What's, what, look into the, to the Brandwine crystal ball here and, and let me know what you think <laughs> about those two players. Well, Carson's clearly the lead back. I mean, the eyeball test takes care of that. But Rashad Penny's presence shouldn't uh, be concerning to anybody. I mean, Seattle runs the hell out of the football. So Carson's still going to get a normal workload compared to most teams. They just run the ball so much. And because they run as much as they do, they're going to need some solid backs who are able to do the same things so that they can't, you know, go away from what they naturally want to do on offense. Which is run similarly, which is all they do. Similarly, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Similarly, well, I guess not similarly because uh, Indianapolis uh, has been throwing a ton this year. But Marlon Mack is another guy uh, that that was not a, you know, a, a quote unquote high drafted running back. I think he was sort of at the tail end of of you know the the feature back list, especially when you consider uh, that a lot of people were drafting Jordan Wilkins as as an upside guy in the in the middle rounds uh, this year in a lot of high stakes leagues. Do you see the Colts signing a guy? I'm not specifically Le'Veon Bell. I know they've been linked to him. But, uh, you know, another running back in free agency that could, you know, ostensibly take carries away on the early downs from Marlon Mack. Or do you think he's going to be the guy um, next year? And, and if he is the guy, is he a third-round pick? Is he a fourth-round pick? Is that where you feel good uh, about drafting him? Or is that maybe a little too early? Tell me a little bit about what you think uh, Marlon Mack is going to be for the Colts next year. Yeah, third, fourth round, that may be a bit too early. Uh, I don't really see much that's all that special about Marlon Mack. He had those two great games back-to-back against Oakland and Buffalo, but that's why he had those games. Those teams are not that good, especially against the run. So I wasn't getting too excited midseason when he put up those performances. If Indianapolis has a chance to get a guy like Le'Veon Bell, you say please and thank you. How much money do you want and for how many years? (laughs) Yeah, no question. I mean, and, and you talk about Indianapolis. I mean, they might sneak into the playoffs here as the sixth seed this coming Sunday night. And, uh, you, you know, you've seen Pittsburgh potentially missing the playoffs. You've seen, you know, New England starting to, to really show the decline there. I mean, obviously Kansas City and, and the Chargers are, are, are very, very good. But 
Uh, the Colts might not be that far away, especially if they hit on a couple of defenders in the draft, which they did last year. Uh, if they do that again this year, they could be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. The 2018 FFPC Super Bracket Champion, Justin Bramline, co-hosting the HSFF Hour tonight with me, Eric Balkman. I've been talking about 2019 a lot on this episode tonight. I know we got the playoff challenge. It's very exciting to talk about, Justin. But as I look forward to my draft preparation for 2019, at what point do you start getting serious about getting ready for for your drafts next year? I mean, are you already in that mode? Do you decompress a little bit and kind of reset, refresh the brain, and then start taking a look at it after the Super Bowl? Do you wait until the early spring, late, uh, you know, early summer? When do you start really uh, getting dialed in on your prep? You know, I don't want to sound too corny, but the answer would be now. I mean, this time of year, week 16, 17, that's when guys like, remember Arian Foster? I mean, that guy sure. played well for a game or two down the stretch, and then all of a sudden he's a fourth, fifth round pick the season. He finally broke out. So when you look at that, there's always guys that are ready to play at the end of the year. So if you see someone like Atlanta running back Brian Hill, Kevin Coleman should be gone going in the next season, and Devontae Freeman will come back from injury, sure, and he's their starter. But the average shelf life of running backs are only three to four years. Freeman's relatively small. He got paid, which is always a huge negative when considering who to draft. Stay away from players that get paid. He may have already ran himself into the ground. This guy, Brian Hill, if you're in a keeper league, he could be somebody who could become something really quick. Just like we were speaking on tight ends earlier, O.J. Howard may have been released. He's on IR. If you're in a league, O.J. Howard's out there. you got less than 48 hours before the season's over. Go pick these guys up. They could be keepers. It's yeah, never no, too early. But, but officially, as soon as there's mock draft lobbies available, I guess that's realistically when it really becomes uh, time to get ready for the next year. Right, yeah. No, and, and that's that's a good way of looking at it, too. I, I think you make an interesting point about Hill, too, because Freeman, um, there's some mileage there. And uh, this, is, Absolutely. This, this is an injury that, that he, I mean, he should be back from, but, you know, you don't know how much longer he, how many elite seasons he has left. If if Brian Hill, you know, you know Tevin Coleman's not coming back to Atlanta. We're going to get into Tevin Coleman in a little bit, but you know he's not going to be a Falcon next year. And then you have Edo Smith, who who flashed a little bit, but just again, to borrow the Jag phrase, he, he was sort of just a Jag, uh, you know, for the majority of the season. And uh, Brian Hill could definitely make a name for himself, and, and certainly the the Falcons game will be one to watch this Sunday. We Absolutely. have a lot of emails. It's, just, to it's all about opportun- It's all about opportunities. The players just need opportunities. There's not much separating the talent. It's just about getting in the lineup and getting a chance to play. And um, I totally agree with that, especially at the running back uh, uh, position, for sure. That's huge. We have a ton of emails to get to. I want to save them later in the show. But, Justin, I do want to read a couple of them that came in for listeners specifically for you. First one, Steve in Little Rock, Arkansas. He writes, what version of Jordy Nelson do we see the next year, the one that began the season or the one that is finishing it out strong for the Raiders? Thanks, Justin. That is Steve in Little Rock, Arkansas. Your thoughts on Jordy Nelson and a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde player this year. What are we going to see from him next year, assuming he is back with the Raiders catching passes from Derek Carr? Yeah, he really did come on strong at the end of the year. If it is Derek Carr, then I like Jordy Nelson to continue what he's been doing. He's a guy that's shown to have a lot of chemistry with his quarterbacks and play very well when he has that chemistry. And if he's able to keep that with Carr going into next season, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't do what he did down the stretch this season. 
Yeah, I think if I mean if there's any question that he has anything left in the tank, the fact that he is um, you know doing so well at the end of the season when everybody should be wearing down, I think that's all you need to to to, to really see from him to know that that he is not wearing down, that he still um, has uh, more fantasy goodness in him. And uh, you could probably get him at a, at a pretty good deal in drafts, no question as well. Uh, the other email you know, I want to get you, to you, right now. Go ahead. You mind? You, you mind if I give out my email address really quick to no, go, I'm sorry, anybody that might want to? Yeah, I wanted to do that at, at the start of the show, Justin. I, for anybody who wants to, if you're having any, you know, fantasy football quandaries, if you have any questions, you want to pick the brand super bracket champion. Uh, Justin uh, will give out his email here, and uh, you feel free to shoot him an email with, with uh, any questions you might have, and and, uh, and you'll be happy to answer them. Go ahead with that email address. That's exactly right. I would be happy to answer them. And that email address is just my name spelled out fully, Justin Brandwine, W-E-I-N at the end, Brandwine, at Hotmail.com. I put a lot of hard Justin. work into this, and... Feel free to shoot me any questions you want. I'll get a website up after a little bit of time. We'll see what kind of response you get. Yeah, definitely. When when the website's up, let us know too, so we can start uh, pumping it on here. Because uh, I know people oh, are always you. after. Uh, absolutely, people are always after fresh voices, fresh faces uh, in the industry, and, and especially somebody who is um, you know already accomplished at the high stakes level, winning the super bracket in your first year of participation. Uh, certainly, people will want to know. Um, one more email that I want to get to, and, and then we'll sort of get into the news around the NFL, Justin. Uh, Jeremy in Dayton writes, did you prep for the Super Bracket any differently as far as strategy goes compared to any of your other leagues this year? Jeremy, thank you for the email. I will say um, the Super Bracket, for anybody who's not familiar with it, um, it it's, it's a, it's a um, contest that switches to a, a 32-team bracket for the last five weeks of the season. So I don't know, Justin, if, if that had any bearing in, into – how you constructed your team, how you drafted your team. Did you prepare for it any differently, or, or were you just trying to put the, the, the best team possible together? Well, of course you want to put the best team together, but yes, absolutely, and that is a good question. I did put a lot of thought into Week 12 and preparing for the stretch run because you're not allowed to make any waiver wire maneuvers after Week 11, so you are stuck with your roster heading into the tournament. So looking at that, we have Travis Kelsey on a bye. We have Greg Zerline on a bye. We need a kicker, number one. And we don't necessarily need a tight end because we have Eric Ebron having an amazing season. But how could you put all your eggs in the basket that Ebron's going to remain healthy heading into week 12? Could you imagine if you had no healthy tight end? That's why we picked up Uzama. And yeah, so yes, and it does I, have a, uh, a huge impact on it. You, you have to be prepped for that, no question. you you got to make sure that if injuries are, are going to take place or suspensions or what have you, that you have adequate depth on your roster where you're not taking zeros at those positions, no question. Justin, um, uh, $10,000, a nice little chunk of change uh, for winning the Super Bracket. Do you have any – is that cash already earmarked for something? Do you have any plans to do anything with that, or are you just going to sit on it until something fun comes along? Well, I'm actually owed a – decent chunk of money from my co-manager from other leagues heading into this year. So we're going to have to get that settled up. So that money is probably just going to sit in my account for quite a while. We'll see if the money breaks up a beautiful relationship. 
we'll see if there's a if there's a reason to to to, to spend that comes along with it. But we'll see. I mean, you obviously have a a good um, rapport and a, and a good dynamic with your with your co-manager. Obviously, with your strength being the draft. Oh, I know. I I, I goof player. on him a little bit, but I love him very much. He's been through go. some very tough times recently, health wise. He's doing very good now, thankfully. And uh, I was just very mindful of, of that and just thankful that, you know, he was able to make the trip to Vegas. He was there with me. And honestly, I feel like, you know, someone upstairs was looking out for us and that, you know, like we definitely deserve this is how I feel. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, he that's always, that's more so than it, me. It, war- it, it warms the cockles of my heart to, to, to hear a story like that for sure, to, to see you guys win that. So congratulations there. I also want to thank uh, football guys, Roto World, Roto Pass, and of course, producer Rob for tonight's rundown. Justin, let's get into it. Um, Dan Quinn uh, confirmed that uh, Julio Jones is going to play against the Buccaneers, according to William McFadden on Twitter. He has not practiced a ton over the last three weeks with, uh, with the hip issues and the rib injuries, uh, issues that he's had, but he's been churning out uh, really good fantasy performances week after week. He was the, uh, he's going to, to, to try to be the leading receiver in the NFL as far as yardage goes uh, this Sunday uh, against Tampa, who he got 144 receiving yards against earlier this season. I'm just curious. You know, we Justin, we've always made fun of not made fun of him, but we've always poked fun at Julio Jones' failure to get into the end zone uh, for whatever reason because he's so dominant inside the twenties, but just hasn't scored a ton of touchdowns. He kind of bucked the trend this year, and and I think you know even though he's getting up there in years, he's sort of an attractive player once again at the end of the first round, early second round for drafts next year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even when he wasn't getting in the end zone, this guy's putting up a ridiculous amount of yardage. I mean, the receiving yard total that Julio Jones puts up, you can only throw out a couple of names like Antonio Brown that we're, that are going to compete with that. So he's always going to be viable up there. And Atlanta's been in the tank for several weeks. So Julio Jones going into week 17, a bit banged up, saying he's going to play. I wouldn't read into that too much. He should be out there doing what he does putting up as much numbers as he can, you know. We talked about his uh, his real-life teammate, at least for the for another week, <laughs> uh, Tevin Coleman, earlier in the show. He's also going to be playing against Tampa this week. Jason Butt had that story on Twitter. Uh, again, probably going to be his last game with Atlanta, and he will be playing against Tampa. Brian Hill, Jeremy Langford, and Tevin Coleman are the only available backs for Atlanta this week. Uh, you know, Here's the thing. I own Tevin Coleman in one dynasty league, and I was actually ex- not excited for Devontae Freeman's injury. I don't get excited over a player's injuries, but I was excited at the opportunity that was presented to Tevin Coleman because he had a goal, like a, a golden chance to, to really make himself a lot of money in free agency. And Justin, I really don't think he took advantage of it. I don't think he's going to get paid uh, this offseason. I think he maybe sees a deal similarly to what Carlos Hyde signed in Cleveland last year where it's, it's decent, but it's not that great. And honestly, I'm not going to be that excited about drafting him next year either. Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen what team he goes to. And then also throughout the preseason, which running backs get hurt. You never know who's going to pop up and become relevant all of a sudden. So it's just a waiting game, one, to see what team he goes on, and two, just the circumstances leading into the season. But he did show that he's very athletic, I mean, not just this year in a full-time role with Freeman out, even before Freeman got hurt. This guy was a great 
uh, pass catcher of the football and has a lot of speed. So he can find a job in, uh, you know, a few different places. There's plenty of teams that would be happy to have Coleman. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that, that that's certainly the case. He's, he's shown the flashes. It's just the consistency has always irritated me, especially this season. I, I just wish he could have done it on a more consistent basis. But it only takes one team, so maybe he will get a, a nice little deal uh, presented uh, by somebody this offseason who is looking for running back help, no question. One team, or excuse me, one player who we know will what team he'll be playing for in 2019 is Quincy Inunua after he inked a four-year, $36 million contract extension. It was announced by the Jets' Twitter account. Uh, Eric Edholm, who writes for Pro Football Weekly, says that the deal guarantees um, are worth a little bit more than $20 million. Uh, Newton was good this year, even though it was in limited action. Uh, 38 catches, 449 yards, and one touchdown through 11 games. You look at um, what the Jets have going now. Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua. You know, Anderson maybe is that deep threat, but Quincy Inunua coming off this injury next year, Justin, he should be a guy who catches a lot of passes, and, and you might be able to get him on the cheap. Yes, you would think so. Anderson has shown well for himself the last couple of years, so you don't really worry too much about him. He can produce. He's done it with different quarterbacks now. Inunua, however, he's been injured for a couple of seasons now, and sometimes – Players just get hurt. They're just those type of guys. And Inunua is showing to be a guy that you can't really rely on. You know, similar to, uh, what's his name in Houston? Will Fuller. They just can't stay on the field, certain guys. I mean, Inunua is showing that he could be one of them. Yes, if he's on there, he he looks the part. But the question is staying on the field. And if they're not going to stay on the field, why take the chance in drafting him? And like I said, he's part of those 23, 24 teams that you should have no business taking anybody on anyways. (laughs) <laughs> right, yeah. The best ability is availability, and that is something that has dogged Quincy Inunua the past couple of years. So always something to be wary of if you are going to be looking to get in business with a player like that. A guy that I wish I had on more teams this year, Justin, Tyler Boyd. Now, he's not going to play this week uh, against the Steelers. He was placed on injured reserve today, um, and then uh, he'll obviously come off injured reserve when the Bengals season uh, ends, uh, just after the Steelers game. So he basically he, he left the week uh, 15 game uh, excuse me yeah the week 15 game early he didn't play in week 16 he's not playing this week but 76 catches for 1,028 yards on uh, seven touchdowns 108 targets uh, this is I mean I, I I hesitate to say that Tyler Boyd is going to be overdrafted next year based on this performance I mean he's going to be drafted higher clearly this uh, this coming season than he was last year. But I don't know how many people are super excited about Boyd next year. And, and I think I will be, you know, as like a, a number four receiver, if I can get him like that, if I go receiver heavy early. I'm definitely into Tyler Boyd. What do you think, uh, what are your thoughts on Tyler Boyd uh, coming back to the Bengals next season? I don't see any reason why he shouldn't have another solid, prosperous year like he did this year. Andy Dalton should be back throwing him the football. They've worked together for a few years. You know, I'm very big on cohesiveness, quarterbacks with receivers for a number of years. A.J. Green is a guy that you can't really rely on. He can disappear here and there. He's the kind of guy that uh, top cornerbacks can take out of games. If he's matched up with a Jalen Samuel, with a Patrick Peterson, A.J. Green's the guy you expect to do nothing that game. However, if you look at receivers like I had on my super bracket team, for instance, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, 
you're not going to stop those guys. You know, A.J. Green's one of those guys you can take out. So Tyler Boyd, in those instances, when you're going up against top corners, will be able to produce a little bit more. I mean, there's no fluke in uh, going for 1,000 yards in less than a full season. Boyd showed some flashes in the past, and it's not a fluke. I would not hesitate uh, if he were desperate to take Tyler Boyd, but again, he's not on one of those magical 18s. <laughs> right, yeah, he's definitely, definitely not. And then you look at that division, too. Baltimore's coming on. I mean, obviously, Pittsburgh's excellent, too, and Cleveland's looking like the real deal. So it might be a case of, of Cincinnati being in the basement there. You know, uh, for the next couple of years, uh, people forget, and, and count myself as one of them, Tyler Boyd back in 2016, he was a second-round pick, and he was a guy that was bandied about in, in rookie dynasty drafts as, as a guy that, that could make a difference. He had the great career. Um, uh, playing it for the Pittsburgh Panthers, 6'2", 203. I mean, this is prototypical, you know, alpha wide receiver size in the NFL. So don't sleep on Boyd. Um, you may, and you're right, I mean, he may not, you may have to rely on garbage time for, for his fantasy value next year, which I always hate to rely on um, because Cincinnati I don't think is going to be good. But you can do a lot worse depending upon where he goes in drafts. And, and once they start up, we'll get a better handle on that for sure. But Boyd is a name to be paying attention to, and his team will be taking on the next player we're talking about here in Week 17. Mike Tomlin said Antonio Brown is undergoing tests on an injured knee. Jeremy Fowler had this on Twitter. Uh, Tomlin saying that the the door is open for Antonio Brown to play against the Bengals, which is a must-win game for them. If Pittsburgh loses, they are out of the playoffs. They could still win and be out of the playoffs. Um, But he was added to the injury report on Thursday. This is the exact same thing that happened to Juju Smith-Schuster last week where he was added to the injury report Thursday. He did end up playing. Um, It sounds like uh, Brown will be out there. But how do you – I mean, here's the curious thing, Justin. Juju Smith-Schuster had a massive season this year. How does it break down in drafts next year between Brown and Smith-Schuster? I'll I'll ask you for a prediction on what round you think these guys go in, and then do you think that's correct? In in other words – if you, if you say Brown's a first-round pick and, and Juju's a, a second-round pick, is that the way that you would draft them? Would you take Smith-Schuster ahead of Brown? How do you how do you handle these Pittsburgh receivers next season? Absolutely not. Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver in football and is the number wide receiver off the board for the past few years and should remain so next year. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, honestly, I haven't given that much thought what round he would be drafted in. Uh Maybe early third, late second. Yeah, I'm looking at. I'm trying to get his his uh, his stats up right now because I know he had the great season and I saw his stat line the other day. Yeah, and there's I was just like, so Holy many cow. other number one receivers. He'd rather like Devonte Adams, uh, DeAndre yeah. Hopkins, Michael yep. Thomas. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're gonna go yeah, for would, all those guys I ahead of them. Julio Jones. Yep. Someone's gonna make the mistake yep. and take Odell Beckham. <laughs> we'll get into Beckham in a little bit. I want to I want to pick your brain on that. Uh, Smith Schuster this year, so uh, so far um, 106 catches for 1389 yards uh, with six touchdowns on the season. He also had a rush for 13 yards, so he's putting up the numbers. But I mean, you, you bring up a, a good point. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is having one of the best years of his career. Is this sustainable? Can Brown and Smith Schuster continue to put up these numbers for a second straight year? Maybe I don't I don't know, but but you're yes, right. absolutely. Without without question, they're they're one of the top offenses in football. Roethlisberger wants another Super Bowl, and he's going to retire. He thought about retiring before this season. He's probably going to come back again. All his weapons will come back. 
it's going to be all systems go for the Steelers again. They're going to be just like they were this year. There'll be no drop off. But to your point, and I'll say this too, like, you know, even though he put up those crazy numbers, I, I, I'll be drafting Devontae Adams before I draft Juju. I'll be drafting of course. Um, DeAndre Hopkins ahead of him, Michael Thomas, no question, Julio Jones. I mean, these guys, none of those guys have to contend with Antonio Brown for targets on, on, on their roster like, like Juju Smith-Schuster will. So I like him, but I certainly love those other players a little bit more. Um, let's get into, let's see, we got about uh, 17 minutes or so left in the show. Let's get into uh, some more emails that we got from the listeners. This tweet, 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 tweet. If you've got a question for Eric Dave or tonight's guest, send them a tweet at Hour on Twitter. Email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Hashtag your tweet with HSFF or just smack Eric in the head. That's highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com or at HSFF. SFF hour on Twitter. First email in fantasy feedback tonight comes from Wayne in Boca Raton, Florida. What's up, Balky and Justin? I'm already looking ahead to next year. Do you think Leonard Fournette slips to the late second round? And is he a good pick there? Thanks so much. That is Wayne in Boca Raton, Florida. I own Leonard Fournette in one league this year. It's a dynasty league. I mentioned it on this show before. And I was never all that excited about Fournette. He is really, really inconsistent. And Justin, for me, it's very difficult to invest a first or second round pick in a guy who is, runs so hot and cold like Fournette seemed to do this year. Of course. It's all about the quarterbacks in fantasy football. If you don't have a quarterback that can help you sustain drives and stay on the field, how can you be productive as a running back? Unfortunately for Fournette, He's had terrible quarterback play. The offense has just been just horrendous. Not only that, but the defense hasn't been the same. So the flow of the Jaguars has just been totally off. So you can't be excited to take Fournette in any round. Obviously, if he's still there and picks continue to fly off the board, at some point you're going to take the guy. But you, you shouldn't be taking somebody on a team that just shows no promise offensively. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, not going to – he's one of those guys where, yeah, if he falls to me, I'll, I'll look at him. But, man, there's – at first and second round, dude, there's so many other players that, that – not just necessarily a running back, too. Wide receiver, tight end. I mean, there's, there's so many more guys that I'd rather have uh, for sure uh, than Fournette. Let's get – Exactly. Uh, to... like, uh, like Damian Williams just became relevant a couple of weeks ago. Damian Williams is a guy, you draft him in the second round – you should be happy. That'll probably be above his ADP, his average draft position. But I guarantee you that guy's going to be no drop-off from Kareem Hunt, who's a late first-round pick. Then uh, he, Damian Williams is a really, really interesting guy, and it got more interesting this week because he um, just signed a two-year extension that will keep him yeah, in the a Chiefs, Chiefs uniform yeah. for, for Chiefs next know what season they and the, the year after. Yeah, I mean, like, mm-hmm. and, 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 the, and the major competition he has, I, I mean, I don't even know how major it is, but when you talk about Spencer Ware, I mean, this guy is going to be, um, he turns 28 next year. His contract right now is, um, he makes 700000 this year, and then he's a free agent. And they could easily not bring him back. Uh, Kareem Hunt's not coming back anytime soon. Damian Williams, I mean, he could be a really, really sharky pick next year. And if you draft early... Um, you know, like super early in like the spring or whatever, you could get a really good deal on Damian Williams. No doubt. He can be a real difference maker. 
especially playing with uh, Andy Reid as his head coach. I mean, this is a guy that utilizes that position. He's done it everywhere he's been. In Philadelphia, you had Brian Westbrook. In uh, Kansas City last year when Spencer Ware got hurt, I was all ready to jump on the Charkandrick West bandwagon, but it looked like they drafted uh, a rookie out of Toledo named Kareem Hunt. So I just said, right. oh, I guess I'll just take Kareem Hunt in the third round. I'd never seen him <laughs> play football before, but it didn't matter because things remain the same. Andy Reid running back. There's certain trends to pay attention to, and the names change, but it's the same system year after year. Let's uh, let's go to uh, a guy that we were talking about uh, earlier in the show that I, I said we'd talk about more uh, later on, and uh, that time is now. Hey, guys, how many wideouts would you draft ahead of Odell Beckham in your league next season? That is from Kenny in Chicago. And Beckham, well, I'll let you, I'll let you talk a, a little bit about him right away, and, and then I'll, I'll bring up some players here. But, Justin, you are not a fan of Odell Beckham in 2019. Is that correct? Well, that's correct. He's extremely gifted. He's a great football player. I mean, he puts up numbers. It's it's not like he's a bad player, don't get me wrong. But the guy's been hurt the last couple of seasons. He started last year injured. He's ending this year hurt. And look at the quality of his quarterback play. I mean, Eli Manning has been completely, can I just say, dreadful. So who knows what's (laughs) going to happen next season. They may bring him back. And if they do, there's going to be no change to what you saw this year. I have uh, this draft board that I participated in in front of me. I like to handwrite everything. Nowadays, people like to click on links to bring one page to the next. I like to just write everything out on one single page. But looking at wide receiver names, I could clearly find eight guys I would take ahead of Odell Beckham, and he was uh, a late first-round pick in my league. Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, looking Adam, at it right Adam, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is kind of a coin yep. flip. If I would take him over Beckham, Tyreek Hill, I would take him over Beckham. Michael Thomas, I would take him. And then obviously you got the slam dunks and uh, yeah, Brown, Hopkins, Adam, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins Ad- exactly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, he, he's he's certainly not a first round pick next year. There's a chance he might. I don't know if he falls to the third, but it's certainly possible that, that he does. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you're bringing up a lot of good points with Beckham. I own him in a dynasty league. I plan on shopping him this offseason just to kind of gauge the interest and see what I can get for him. But I am not uh, super excited for him going forward as well. Uh, let's move on to, let's see, who's this email from? This is from Mike in Hanover, Maryland. If DJX moves on from Tampa like he says he wants to this offseason – how do you handicap the fantasy value of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Adam Humphreys? Thanks, gents. That's Mike in Hanover, Maryland. Thank you for the email, Mike. Are you excited about any of those guys? I mean, let's just assume Deshaun Jackson is not came out on the wire tonight that he wants to go back to Philly. I don't know if that's going to happen. But clearly he does not want to be in Tampa. Justin, how do you – I mean, do you like any of the guys between Evans, Godwin, and Humphreys next year, given where you think that they'll probably go in drafts? Yeah, I like all those players. They all had their moments throughout the year. Godwin, every time Jackson was out of the lineup, was putting up big numbers. He was a hot waiver wire pickup midseason. Humphreys, excuse me, even had a few solid games in a row there. All the Tampa Bay wide receivers are in play. Tampa Bay had a had a great year passing the football. Fantasy-wise, the quarterbacks, the receivers, they were all very, very serviceable. I don't see any drop-off heading into next year. Yeah, and you know, the guy, I'm, 
I guess I'm a little bit more down on Chris Godwin. I, I still love his talent. I'm just not sure what happened, why he was just coming up short. He hasn't put up uh, a ton of, of really good numbers over the last you know month, month and a half. But I'll tell you, Justin, the, the guy who looks really, really good uh, coming down the stretch, um, at least for, for fantasy purposes, um, Humphreys has put up some pretty good games, 10 for 79, 7 for 61, 6 for 54, 8 for 82, 7 for 76. You know, these aren't like world-beating numbers uh, by any means, but we could plug a guy like that in as your second flex, and he gets into the end zone too. I mean, he scored five touchdowns this season as well. He's a guy that, that again, you, you shouldn't have to pay much for, and he can really uh, pay dividends uh, for you in those bye weeks uh, when you need him. Uh, or injuries hit or whatever, Humphreys is a perfect filler for that. Yeah, we'll just see what Tampa Bay does with the quarterback position. They played musical chairs all season with Fitzpatrick and Winston. So going into next season, if they can bring in a new guy, you know, that could disrupt a few things. I'm big on uh, cohesiveness. So if they can keep one of these quarterbacks, I would like that for Humphreys' chances. Yeah, no question. And, and if Dirk Ketter's gone too, we'll we'll see what they do at, at head coach too. Uh, as far as what offense will be bringing in, there should be some some changeover down in Tampa. Donnie in New York writes, "What are the chances that Philip Lindsay duplicates his stats from this season next year, guys?" Thank you for the email, Donnie. Philip Lindsay, the first undrafted rookie to make a Pro Bowl, and uh, now uh, he's he's going to be an attractive fantasy draft pick uh, this coming year as we look forward to the 2019 season. He's obviously going to be contending with Royce Freeman for touches, but that was the case this year, Justin, and, and he put up some pretty good numbers. Your thoughts on Lindsay next season? Right. You know, I took a look at his game logs, and he there was only three games where he had more than 15 carries. So to me, that's a bit concerning, but I took a look at his yards per carry average, and it's over five, and that is just gargantuan. I mean, Philip Lindsay runs the ball well. However, Denver is a team that looks like they don't know what direction they're going in, and it's kind of hard to take a running back on a team when your quarterback is Casey Keenum. There's going to be games where you're just totally game-planned out of, not necessarily game-planned out of, but the game flow is going to take you out of it. You know, how many times are they going to be behind too much against the Chiefs? They can't compete against them. You know, stuff like that. It all just depends. He's just not on a team that I would recommend taking anybody on, Denver. Yeah, and that's, and that's another two, uh, thing, too. It's like we, we know Sutton and Hamilton will be the receivers next year. We don't know how Sanders is going to come back from that Achilles. Uh, obviously, they've had some musical chairs at tight end uh, uh, on, that, uh, on that team, and I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Is, is Case Keenum yeah, going to be the starter under center? All, you want to take all the position spots on your roster seriously. You just want to put yourself in the best percentage possible to be successful. So that's why you want to be on winning teams that – year after year are in the playoffs that put up points that have quarterbacks that you can rely on. I mean, that's, that's really the basics. That's what it's all about. I grew up just taking players that played with Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Joseph Adai, Dallas <laughs> yeah. Parker, Edger and James all day. Same thing every year. It doesn't change. Peyton Manning's amazing. He's the best football player to ever step on the field, in my opinion, but that's just how you do it. And nothing should yeah, change. It, and anytime you can get a piece of those offenses, uh, too, especially when when they're they're for whatever reason being downgraded in drafts, where you can get some value on them, you, you got to hop all over that, and, and you can make some very successful fantasy teams doing that uh, exact thing. Rick in Palestine, Texas. Hey, Dallas and Marcus, how do you handicap the Colts tight ends for 2019? Thanks so much. That is Rick in Palestine, Texas. This is an interesting one because 
And I guess we're, we're kind of speculating a little bit because Eric Ebron will be a free agent after this year. He's free to sign anywhere. But, man, the impact he had on Indianapolis, the rapport that he had with Andrew Luck, and the fact that, you know, even when Doyle was healthy, I mean, he was putting up numbers, too, uh, in that offense. I, I look at these two guys, and I feel like if they're both back in Indianapolis next year in a tight end premium format like the FFPC, I think both these guys have value, Justin. Agree 100%. 120%. When Andrew Luck is healthy, which he hasn't been for a couple of years, Colts tight ends were always extremely productive. A couple of seasons ago, it was Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener catching a bunch of touchdown passes. Where's Dwayne Allen now? In New England, they don't even throw him the football. There's something about right. Andrew Luck and his tight ends in Indy, and it doesn't matter who they are. They're going to catch touchdowns all season, whether it was Doyle or Ebron or Mo Ali Cox or Eric Swoop. I mean, there was just an alarming rate of touchdown passes going to the tight end. Whoever's going to be in that position for Indianapolis is going to be highly successful. So I would rate them very high. If you're in the middle rounds and those first five names I mentioned earlier, Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, Howard, Ebron, those guys are all gone. I mean, Doyle, I didn't name him earlier when I was throwing guys out there, but he is more than serviceable. He's a tough football player. He takes some big hits. He's, he's, they're no joke, Ebron and, and uh, Doyle. Yeah, and, and, uh, and the fact that they were both good this year, and you know, I know Doyle got hurt or whatever, but the fact that they're both good might drive their price down in drafts as well. There could be some value there as we look forward to 2019. Final email that we have tonight, it's from Mike in Gardena, California. What's up, Balky and the champ? Is 2019 the year of Deontay Foreman in the Texans' backfield, or do we have to endure another mediocre year of Lamar Miller again? Thanks for the email, Mike, uh, in Gardena, California. You know, this is interesting, too, because uh, Lamar Miller, uh, you know, he, he had some good games this year, but by and large was just didn't wow you. I mean, we kind of know who he is at this point in his career. Um, Deontay Foreman was just recently activated off, um, you know, the IR to, to return list. We might see him in action this Sunday. I look at what, you know, he was such a young guy coming out of Texas uh, when, when the Texans drafted him in the, in the second round. And uh, the sky's the limit uh, for him. I just don't know what, how he's going to respond from, from such a significant injury. I'm not ready, me personally, I'm not ready to anoint him as, as the guy in the Texans' backfield uh, in 2019. Maybe he takes that over at some point next season. I just, I, I'm not going to be expecting a ton from him next year. I know that he's capable of, of, of really offering a lot of fantasy value. Just tough for me to get excited about him. How do you see the uh, Texans' backfield next year? I mean, is it are they going to go with Miller and Foreman? Do you see them drafting a, a running back high in you know, maybe round two or three of the draft, Justin? What, what are your feelings there? Well, it remains to be seen what they do in the draft, but what they have currently on their roster, backup Alfred Blue has shown absolutely nothing. So you could just punt him out of the equation. Lamar Miller, I've never been that high on him as well. It sounds like you're not that into Lamar Miller. I agree with you on that. Deontay Foreman, just because of the opportunity with Blue not panning out, you know, the Texans are a good team. You've got to think that he could have a realistic shot at taking over the reins there. Maybe he does something in the playoffs and it just parlays his chances heading into 2019. 
I, uh, Justin, listen, great stuff from you the whole hour tonight. Um, I, I enjoyed picking your you brain. Know, thank and, you very and much. Getting like, it goes by so fast. I just wish that I could have <laughs> got out a few it? different things. Like, before you know it, it's, it's all over. But one more time, uh, if anybody wants to shoot me an email, justinbrandwine, W-E-I-N, at hotmail.com. I'd love to uh, give you feedback to anything that you may ask fantasy-wise, baseball or football. There you go. There you have it. And uh, you can, uh, it's, it's not often when uh, we have a high-stakes winner on the show that, that's willing to dispense advice. But this $10,000 winner in the Super Bracket Challenge uh, is willing to do it, and we certainly appreciate it. And hopefully uh, you enjoyed uh, hearing from Justin tonight. Justin, thanks so much for coming on. I wish you uh, nothing but the uh, best going forward in, in your 2019 leagues. I, I know that uh, you'll be back with a vengeance and uh, trying to take down Super Bracket again and uh, in whatever leagues you participate in. Thank you so much for joining the show, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk again soon, dude. Thanks so much. Yeah, I hope so. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I really meant it in the beginning when I said this was just as good as winning the money. I was very sincere when I said that because it is true. Well, I appreciate that so much, man, and, 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 a, uh, and a happy new year to you as well. Uh, you too. Take care. Thank you, Justin Brandwine, ladies and gentlemen, the 2018 FFPC Super Bracket $10,000 winner. Always good to hear from, uh, from champions. And I got to tell you, over the next uh, month, month and a half, you're going to hear from a lot of champions on this show. We're going to try to get on as many as possible. We'll hear their success stories. We'll find out why they did what they did and why it paid off this year and how you can take advantage of it to try to duplicate their success coming up in 2019. Uh, I want to thank Justin Brandwine, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you uh, for, uh, for listening in tonight. I know we did have some problems with the chat. Uh, we got the chat rocking probably about 15 minutes or so ago. It, it started working. And, and of course, Tupacker and uh, me are the lone uh, participants in there for a great craft beer discussion that we've, uh, we've been holding in there. Uh, always good stuff in there. We will be back live next week at the same t- uh, time, 10, 9 Central Friday night, and Dave Gerzak will be back in the studio. Uh, we'll have another high-stakes champion on next week. That will be a lot of fun. Remember to check out the Rob Gallucci, Brian Gocken, Off the Grid 2018 Champs. Uh, that interview on uh, the high-stakes lowdown not on RoboBiz.com yet. You can go to the Spreaker website, Spreaker.com, search High Stakes Lowdown. It's the first thing that pops up. Go register for the world famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. It is pulling up fast, almost a quarter full right now, and you have about eight days to register. Happy New Year! Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Big dog, stay on the court. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Where you get that from? You know, the more I do this show... This is the final show. Uh, I do a lot of shows, you know, for like local radio and, and other podcasts during the week or whatever. This is the last show of the week that I always do, and uh, it, it's always I'm always tr- I'm I'm always worried about how Dave Gerzak is going to attack me on the show for for one of my inane opinions or takes. And tonight I didn't I didn't feel like that at all. And uh, and now I have to like sharpen my my knives and get ready for for Dave again next week. It will be fun. I love having him in here. And um, 
hopefully well I can tell you we will not have the FFPC main event champ uh, in next week there is a schedule conflict and uh, they, they can't um, it's a couple of guys and they can't appear next week but uh, maybe another six-figure champion on the show it's certainly possible thanks for listening everybody have a happy and a safe new year and I will talk to you again next week with Dave Gerzak be good everybody